Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Retire Smarter. Great podcast for you on the way today as we seek to help you learn a little bit more about the financial landscape, about retirement, and how you can make sure you've got the best plans in place possible. Walter Storholt here alongside Kevin Krosky. He's the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio with offices in Akron and Canfield. But no matter where you are, you can find out about the team online at truewealthdesign.com. Again, that's truewealthdesign.com. And if you're new to the show, don't forget, if you'd like to ever have a conversation with one of the planners and uh, one of the advisors on the True Wealth team, you can schedule a free 15-minute call with an advisor on the team at truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, thanks for being with us once again, sir. Great to talk to you. How are you? Walter, I am uh, I'm well. I am well. The uh, spring has sprung. It's uh, quite a bit of rain here and there, but uh, we're getting some nice weather as well. And uh, it's just filled with optimism and the future of summer down the road. That's fantastic. If I can share a, a fun, quick story with you, I almost was worried I wouldn't be able to host the podcast with you today due to hearing loss, if you can believe mm-hmm. it or not. Coming back from vacation, I suffered for the first time ever. I got this really severe pain in my ear, and I lost, I'd probably say, 90 to 95% of the hearing in one of my ears as the plane was landing. I could not, like, pop my ears, and so I got all this pressure and all of this pain all of a sudden, and we ended up going to the urgent care, right? Like, welcome back from vacation, and we're now driving to the urgent care because we were worried about what it was. And I had a barotrauma, apparently is what it's called, barotrauma, and it was something where you can't pop your ears, and it was t- luckily a temporary thing. My hearing came back within about 48 hours or so, but it was really weird there for a little while, so... I don't know if you do a lot of flying back and forth to different spots across the country. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I have not, but uh, my daughter did have swimmer's ear a few weeks ago. Which I think is uh, similar. Yeah. Uh But, uh, you know, she woke up in the middle of the night screaming that her ear was in, uh, you know, she just had a lot of pain in her ear and had some drops and popped. And now mom is in like super mom mode (laughs) with just (laughs) wanting to put these like plugs in her ear and, you know, you you better not jump under the water. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, you can't let her not be a kid. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> so, oh, that's too funny. So she has not, it has not reoccurred much to everybody's delight, but I think that's the traditional role of mom and dad, right? Mom's there. Mama bear is protecting her and, and daddy is, oh, let her be a kid. So that's right. Bounces out. It probably won't happen again. And if it does, well, we'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that seems to be our approach to things sometimes. But yeah, I just have to announce next time I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to be thinking to myself, okay, don't let it happen this time. You know, <laughs> so, I think it was the headphones and the noise canceling was so good on the headphones. I didn't realize that I needed to like be popping my ears during the flight. And then all of a sudden I took them off and all that pressure was, was built up or something like that. So. Well, take care of yourself, Walter. Right? We, uh, we're just building an audience here, buddy. I need you. That's right. You need me here on the show, right? We got to be able to communicate back and forth or at least uh, try and keep it easy to talk back and forth a little bit. Well, enough about us. Let's get into the conversation of today. And we've got a fun show on the way because we're going to be talking about somebody who actually met with Kevin, met with the team at True Wealth Design, what they experienced and uh, kind of what forced them or caused them to come in and address some of the decisions that they'd made in the past. Kevin, I'm looking forward to this story because it's kind of a, I don't know if we want to call it a second opinion, but this is somebody that seemed to have a financial solution, but then started to get a lot of question marks about that plan and sought some assistance from you. Tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, sure, Walter. So let's call her Jane. So Jane reached out and just wanted to talk to us. And when I spoke with her uh, a couple weeks ago, just getting to know her, just seeing what's going on, why'd she reach out? And I think what she was going through is something that a lot of people go through and sharing her story, hopefully will be helpful for some of those people just to kind of make sense of some of the questions that they probably have and kind of compare and contrast advisors and why you might, you know, hire one and uh, who might you want to look at hiring. But just to give a little context about Jane, so Jane's mid sixties. She is, uh, I wouldn't say single. She is engaged to be married, to be remarried. And she has some complexity going on there because it's her second marriage and you know, he has children from a different marriage, prior marriage and what have you. And, uh, you know, very common these days that that's happening, but, but that wasn't really the genesis for the call. What happened with Jane was her dad had passed the prior year and she inherited some money from dad. Mom had passed prior to dad. And it was a good chunk of change. It was about a half a million dollars that she had inherited. And she was working with dad's advisor. And uh, just in Jane's words, she said, I just felt like a number and I didn't feel like my number was big enough and I didn't get much attention. And I think that's really what caused her to, to reach out. But as I was talking with Jane some more, it turned out that she actually had another advisor as well. She was working with person down at the local Edward Jones and uh, had a kind of a similar amount of money down there and had been working with that person for about 10 years. And so naturally the first question I asked her, I said, well, you know, if you got, I understand about dad's advisor, but you know, why are you reaching out to me? And she said, well, you know, I just, I kind of feel like a number down there too. And uh, I don't really feel like I'm getting the planning. And she had two advisors and did not really have any sort of clarity or peace of mind around what was going on and felt some frustration, you know, ultimately, I mean, she had her dad pass, you know, lost both her parents at this point and dad lived to be, you know, well into his nineties. And by all accounts, from what I heard, had a fantastic life, but, you know, she's grieving the loss of, of her parents. And now she has this complexity, has this money, has a good chunk of money. She still works, not because she has to, but but she likes to, and now she's getting married as well. And uh, there's, you know, prenup and kids from a different marriage and all kinds of stuff going on. So I, I don't know if I would say that she was feeling overwhelmed, but she definitely did not have clarity around what was going on. And unfortunately, the people that she was working with, dad's advisor, as well as, you know, down at, at, at Jones, uh, she just, for whatever reason, just didn't find it there. Almost, so, almost like a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of scenario leading to some unhappiness too. Yeah. You know, it's, I would say two things. One, whenever, and this is kind of a bit of an aside, but you know, if you're talking with your advisor or prospective advisor, ask them how many clients they have, frankly, and this kind of relates to how they get paid as well. But I'll just give you some general industry information here. Uh, I saw a study just a couple months ago, advisors that receive the majority of their compensation directly from clients in the form of fees tend to spend two to three times the amount of time with the client compared to an advisor that receives, wasn't even a majority, but a good portion of their money in commissions. And so the reason why that matters is the commissions, they typically are paid up front and they, so they get more money day one and they don't have as much of an incentive to go ahead and stick around and do planning for the client and invest in that relationship. So that's how Ed Jones works. I mean, I know some people at Ed Jones, they're, they're fine. They're fine for what they do, but 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily, in my opinion, call them a financial advisor. They're more of, it's similar almost to going down to the bank and, you know, buying some class A share mutual funds or, hey, we'll just put you up in this money management platform or, hey, I got this great fixed annuity sort of thing. And there's really no planning. It's more of a product sale. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that, provided that, you know, the client knows that's what it is and they're not, it's not being misconstrued for something more. So that's one. So on the other hand, Walter, you mentioned, you know, having too many cooks in the kitchen. So there was people in the kitchen. I don't even know if I would call them cooks necessarily. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they were sous chefs or salad there prep <laughs> people or, or something like that. But nobody was really, there was no master chef. There was nobody that was in there that was organizing everything and ultimately responsible for the success of the dish, if you will. So, you know, we started talking together and Jane she was a hard worker. She was a phenomenally interesting woman uh, from being in the Peace Corps to <laughs> speaking of chef, she was actually the iron chef in Scotland. So she was married to this man that apparently had done quite well or his family maybe had some family money, but literally she lived in Scotland for a period of time and she was not working. So she just took up cooking as a hobby. And lo and behold, she became the iron chef of Scotland. And I'm like, what a really, really wow. cool story. You know, can you come over to my house and cook for me, please? So there was no cook in the kitchen. There was no iron chef in uh, Jane's financial kitchen, if you will. But she had this opinion of herself, a very humble one, a very admirable one, in, in my opinion, that, you know, hey, she didn't feel like she had much money. She was getting this message, whether explicitly or implicitly from you know, the other advisors, her dad and the person down at Ed Jones that she kind of felt like a number. So, you know, we have somebody that's in the Peace Corps that kind of goes to their humbleness as well, I, I would think, and and their idea of, you know, just service and what have you. But I mean, she had about a million dollars. And so, I mean, she had a good chunk of change um, here and that was just hers. It didn't include anything for her future husband, but she's just like, you know, is it can I get a good advisor to help me out? I mean, is it even possible? Do I have enough money? And I assured her that she did. And I, I, I apologize for the experience that she had. And I told her that I, I, I know that I'm probably going to have to repent for some sins that were made prior to our, our budding relationship here. But the other thing that she asked was, you know, not only do I have enough, but does it make sense for me to pay you know, for an advisor. And so there was a lot of things that we started talking about. So I'll just kind of unpack these over the rest of our conversation. I'll talk about, you know, should I pay and, you know, what can I expect? And then a couple other things that were really important too. I asked her, you know, what are you doing it with, you know, your dad's advisor as well as down at Ed Jones investing wise? And she said, well, you know, the Ed Jones person has me in a growth portfolio and dad's advisor has me in a moderate portfolio. And, you know, those words sound good. I mean, they're qualitative, fine descriptors, but they really don't tell me anything because, you know, you can have somebody that says that they're growth oriented and talk to another person. It could be even, you know, a husband and a wife, same household, but both spouses could have completely different interpretations of what that actually means. So, you know, what I shared with Jane was, you know, we really have to kind of, you know, back up a little bit, you know, before we start talking about, you know, how you should be investing, Let's sit down and figure out, well, you know, how much money are you spending? She said, you know, I already have that. You know, I've been on a budget for a long time and I have that. So she sent that over to me and I took a look at it. And I said, this is great. I said, you know, now that you've received some money from dad and on top of the money that you worked hard to accumulate yourself, 
you know, you obviously have some new potential here. And honestly, she hadn't even thought about, you know, what that might mean. And here she's getting into, you know, a new marriage as well. And her future husband has a good chunk of change. And so, you know, it's really start thinking about some of these potentials about what the future may hold and what she could do, you know, in terms of experience with the money or she's charitable as well and, and giving some of the money away. So she was really just starting to think about those things. And those things tend to take some time to kind of wrestle with, but I just kind of took her down that path and, you know, we're just really envisioning, understanding where she's currently at, but envisioning what the future is going to hold for her, what she wants it to hold, to have that intentionality in terms of creating her desired future. And I explained, I said, you know, then is really where we start measuring, you know, how productive your investments need to be. Start measuring how much risk you can afford to take. And then lastly, really start talking about, you know, how much risk are you comfortable taking? And that's really the comfortableness or the, the willingness to go ahead and take risk is really that softer side. It's really where you start getting down into those adjectives, whether it's growth or moderate, or we don't even prefer that. But we instead to prefer, again, to measure it and then start talking about, well, is that really comfortable? Does that really match up with your plan and the intentionality of the things that you want to do and are important to you? So I can't say that happens, the whole idea about growth or moderate in these kind of platitudes. It's a regular conversation and one that I just wish, you know, as advisors, as professional advisors could completely get away from in talking with people because everybody's different. Everybody's a snowflake. You know, those words mean different things to different people. So this is one place where math really does have to kind of come back into the picture and at least in a simple format better encapsulate what that really means and help frame some expectations about you know, potential expected gain as well as, hey, you know, what might we have to go through on the not so good side to go ahead and hopefully get that gain over time. So Jane thought that that made sense. It surprisingly had never been described to her in that way. So we just started talking about that. And that's where we kind of backed up into and started talking about the big picture and the planning and then how the whole process kind of eventually leads to the investment decisions, but you really can't start there. So the other things that Jane had asked about. And again, it was really kind of coming at it from the standpoint of, hey, I haven't been getting attention or advice from these other people that I've supposedly been working with. Am I worth it? And that was an easy one. And we told her, you know, yes, I mean, you're one, a very enjoyable person. You seem to really want help. And we're in the helping business. And I mean, you're just like a lot of the other clients that we help. So it would be a good fit. So that was a relatively easy one. You know, you don't have to have, you know, tens of millions of dollars to work with a financial advisor. You know, different advisors work differently. Certainly some may have minimums and things like that, but you should be able to ask a simple question of an advisor and say, you know, who do the people that you work with? Who's the typical client that you serve? How many clients do you have? You know, is there a minimum? You know, what might that be? As a quick aside, you know, our firm minimums start at simply $100 a month for investing only help and $200 a month for investing in planning help. Now, we have a lot of clients that, you know, have, you know, several million dollars with us and others that are maybe they're young professionals are starting out and don't have a lot of money invested, but they still have some planning needs. So there's different advisors within our firm that uh, will work with different groups of clients and serve them and serve them well. So again, just an important aside, just to ask your advisor, you want somebody that can help, you know, 
help you and work works with people like you. So I think that's a good starting point. And you want to make sure that they don't have too many clients and are really spending time with their clients. Now, on the side of, hey, does it make sense for me to go ahead and pay for financial advice? Well, I had answered this in in this way to Jane. I said, and I guess I should also mention, she said, you know, <laughs> I'm paying a fee for my dad's advisor and then I'm paying, uh, I paid commissions down at Jones because I asked her you know, how she was paying for her current relationships. And she also remarked, she's like, you know, I thought about just going down to the bank because I have to go there anyway. But, you know, I see a different person in there every few months. And I don't know if that's really what I'm looking for either. Revolving she, doors of sorts many times, right? Yeah, revolving door. And, and she made the comment herself. She said, you know, usually in life, you kind of get what you pay for. And it should be that way. It may not always be that way. Uh, but in general, it, I think just the way our system works, the way the capitalism works is kind of how things end up over time. The people that do better for you, you know, we got Amazon coming to our house almost on a daily basis because we got a low price and they make our life easy. And, you know, the money has flowed there along with a lot of other households over time. So kind of a good example of that, so to say. But Vanguard uh, is a company that probably everybody's familiar with. You know, they're the, I think, one of the largest mutual fund companies that's out there. Jack Bogle, who we mentioned in a prior podcast, had passed away earlier this year and uh, is really kind of regarded as the, the father of indexing and kind of bringing more of a, a lower cost, passive management approach to investing. And Vanguard, great company and has a lot of, done a lot of good. And I remarked to her, I said, you know, I mean, you could even work with Vanguard. And I said, but I, I know some people, I've interviewed people that have worked at Vanguard. There's another company, uh, TIA, that works a lot in the, the teacher and nonprofit sectors and they have kind of an offering as well and and these are call centers where people go into and you know you really don't have a real relationship with somebody and that uh, one advisor could be like a bullpen sort of approach if you have a need and have a question on your retirement plan then it's kind of you know well whoever picks up the phone is who you're going to get or maybe a best case is you do have a dedicated advisor you do have somebody but you know i true story Somebody at one of those firms that I interviewed with actually told me that they got reprimanded uh, because they spent too much time on the phone with their clients servicing them. <laughs> they were supposed to keep the time on the phone about 10 minutes or so, and they were about three or four times over that, and they were actually getting in trouble for spending too much time with their clients on the phone. Huh. What do you think about that, Walter? Yeah, that seems a bit illogical, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it gets back to that idea that you get what you pay for. At least right. you should. And over time, it's going to average out, and it's typically going to be that way. Or, or being just a number, right? You, completely. You, num client number four seven five six seven two. You've only got four minutes left. You know, please wrap up that kind of thing. You know, and I'll give you another example too. We have a client that she had money at Fidelity uh, in their private client group. She had money in Schwab private client group, and she has money with us. And there's a bit of a backstory to it, but uh, unfortunately, she was taking this approach of kind of having a diversified advisor approach. It was a sad situation. She had lost her husband some years ago, and he handled the finances, and she not only had to pick up the pieces in many different ways, but then had to go ahead and take responsibility for all the financial decisions. And she's an incredibly smart woman, and I don't think she gives herself enough credit, but unfortunately, she was taken advantage of by some people in some different ways, and she just said, look, you know, I'm just not going to do that again. Or if it happens, at least it's only happened on one piece of the money. But what we came to over the years, I'm a big believer in, you know, you go to the doctor, the doctor needs to know 
everything that's good and bad and indifferent with you if they're really going to give you good advice. You know, you, you don't go to one doctor for, you know, the left side of your body and the other, another doctor for the right side of your body or something like that. I mean, you need to have somebody that has that holistic viewpoint and be able to give you advice over everything. That'd, be, may not a, that'd be, be a really dispe- unique specialty though, wouldn't it? I only, uh, I'm a doctor, but I'm only, only on the right side, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the left side, right. But then it's even trickier when it gets to the brain because it's like the left side of the brain controls the right side <laughs> of the body. So where do you draw the line? <laughs> That's right. Then then it's very important to make sure you've got, you know, two advisors, that uh, two doctors that can talk to each other really well in, in that communication, that much more important. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course you have specialists and what have you, but you need a really good primary care physician. You need a good internal medicine doctor or what have you. But but I digress, but she remarked, and I mean, this is a woman that has several millions of dollars and she's got a good chunk, you know, <laughs> pretty much a couple million dollars at each of those three places I just mentioned. And, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, I completely understand what you're dealing with in terms of your reasoning for doing what you're doing and that I can't imagine what she had gone through. But I said, eventually, you know, it's going to be in your best interest to find somebody that is knowledgeable and that is trustworthy and that you can really kind of consolidate things with to a large extent, or at least make sure that that person is looped in on everything. And so I agreed to take some baby steps with her as long as we were moving forward. And we've done that over the years. It's been, I don't know, probably like seven years now that we've been working together and sometimes begrudgingly, but it's continued to grow. But last year she made a remark. She's like, you know, I go into these places and every two years I have to explain my story to somebody new because of that same thing that you remarked on earlier, Walter, just that revolving door. And this isn't somebody that has, you know, 20 grand down at the bank. This is somebody with a couple million dollars in these private client groups for, you know, these big firms that, you know, that everybody's familiar with. And so, you know, the idea of getting what you pay for, again, it's not perfectly correlated. There are, you know, good, better, and best advisors that are out there. Same thing with attorneys or accountants or doctors for that matter. But you really need to find somebody that's knowledgeable and is trustworthy and can go ahead and uh, work and understand people like you and then work with you and just have that good open dialogue going forward to make sure that you're getting where you want to go and making the most out of what you have. But I kind of jumping around here a little bit just to kind of bring it back home and wrap up the episode. So Jane was, we were talking about Vanguard and uh, Vanguard had done a study a few years ago called the value of advice. And there's basically an attempt to go ahead and quantify, hey, does it make sense to pay a financial advisor? And what Vanguard came to the conclusion was, you know, if you follow what they called a wealth management framework, you know, making good investment decisions, making good distribution decisions and pulling your money out of the accounts in retirement and having a, a wealth management approach and considering taxes that they came up with a number about 3% per year that an advisor you know, on average should add to a relationship. And uh, then they made an interesting comment that said, you know, even though that they should be able to do that over time, the benefits are lumpy, meaning that there's going to be some years where a lot of value is added and then other years where maybe not so much. And that's kind of how life goes. You know, some years, you know, there's, you know, you transition into retirement. There's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of moving pieces and parts. And the cost of an error for a lot of people is pretty steep. You know, you make irrevocable decisions on your pension and on your social security claiming decision and things like that. And so, you know, some of those, I guess, you know, high dollar points, if you will, where the cost of the mistake is quite great, you know, a lot of value can be added. And then, you know, life is kind of calm for a while, but then another wave comes in. 
And so there's that constant ebb and flow. But I thought it was, I'll often use that Vanguard story. There's similar studies from Morningstar and others that come up with a similar derivation of value. But Vanguard is really known as kind of a be it a do-it-yourself type investor place. And for them to come out and do that work and do that research, I think it really speaks volumes about the value that a good advisor can bring to somebody over time. So, you know, on one hand, you have Jane that's going out there and working with people that I'm sure they were nice enough people, but they were really just selling product. And, uh, you know, one had a relationship with dad and, and maybe that gentleman was doing planning. I'm not sure. Maybe he didn't meet her minimums or something like that because Jane had some siblings and ultimately the accounts were split. And so maybe, you know, dad had 1.5 million, but when they were split with the three girls, they were only 500,000 each. And so maybe they didn't meet his minimum at that time to do planning. I'm not sure, nor was she. But Ed Jones, is a, it's a different model. And uh, I mean, you can read about them, but they don't do planning. I mean, it's common that you have one advisor that has 700 or 1,000, I wouldn't call them clients, but I call them customers. Or you can go to a Vanguard, which is great. You know, Vanguard, we use some of their investments, but you know, you go there, you go to TI Cref, and you're getting a call center. So all these choices, I think none of them are inherently good or bad. It, it all depends on you know what somebody needs and what they're willing to pay. And are they going to get value commensurate with what they're going to pay? And I think those are the questions that anybody that's looking for advice that has the kind of questions that hopefully we're answering by tuning into the podcast, those are the things that they should be thinking about. Well, I know that you've had people, Kevin, you know, reach out to you after hearing a podcast and talk to you about some of the things that have been discussed on the program, some of the different ways that maybe you can help them out with what they're facing, what they're going through, uh, kind of with their own uh, situation, similar to what Jane, you know, had going on in her life. And some of the, you know, it's not, oh, I'm in this dire need of, you know, I'm, I'm in financial ruin. I need a financial advisor. That's not, you know, obviously our the target audience here. It's I've worked hard for these funds, for this money, and I've tried to take good care of it, but I feel like I'm not getting the kind of advice, the kind of guidance that I should be getting for what I'm spending, or just that I should be getting for, you know, having done such a good job taking care of my money all these years. How can I be a good steward of it through the rest of my life? And people have questions like that all the time. So give us a peek behind the curtain of what happens, you know, if I'm listening to the show today and I want to talk to you more about my particular situation, you give us a great level of detail here on the program, but what it's like in those next steps. Yeah, sure. So uh, if you just go to truewealthdesign.com, one, there's there's all kinds of information that's on the website. If you're looking for some more information, whether it's about us or, you know, just, you know, kind of in a similar vein to what the podcast is about, you know, you can just go there and check it out. We've been writing original content for about nine or 10 years now. So you can get an idea of, you know, some more of our work and get some more Good suggestions there, but um, it also talks about the people that we work with. Again, if you're tuned into the show, you kind of get a, a gist for that, but usually people are seeking us out when they're really getting serious about retirement planning. And, and if that's you, and if you have some questions and you're looking for somebody to be that guide to see if there is a good fit for you know mutually beneficial ongoing relationship, then there's a little button when you go to the website, it just says, are we right for you? You can go ahead and click that button. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and any questions that you have. And then we'd be happy to set up that initial 15-minute call just to go ahead and answer those preliminary questions and see if we might be a good fit and go ahead and explore a relationship. So usually those 15-minute calls may go a little bit longer because we're kind of uh, unpacking some things and uh, kind of get in a conversation. But it's really just to 
go ahead and see if there's a good fit to go ahead and set something up where we spend a little bit more time together, both spouses and what have you, if you're married, and then take it from there. And if we can help, we'll let you know that uh, we think we can help and here's how. And if we don't think we can help, then worst case, we'll, we'll do our best to point you in the right direction. So unlike what Jane experienced with the, uh, oh, sorry, you're, you're at your time limit, you know, <laughs> got to shut you off or what many people have had happen to them maybe before working with some of the big banks. You're, you're okay making it a little bit longer than 15 minutes if it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, we sure are. <laughs> We're in a helping business. That's right. If you want to get in touch again, that's the easiest and probably the best way to do it. Truewealthdesign.com. And just look for that button that Kevin mentioned, are we right for you? And schedule your 15-minute call with an experienced advisor are on the team. You can also ask Kevin your questions. Just look at the contact page there on True Wealth Design. You can find ways to uh, get in touch or email the team as well if you've got additional questions you want to talk about. And of course, you can always pick up the phone and call the old-fashioned way. 855-TWD-PLAN is the number. That's 855-TWD-PLAN, which all number version is 855-893-7526. Kevin, thanks for telling us the story of Jane on today's program and uh, how you guys were able to help her drill down into the important things about her portfolio and her financial future. And we'll look forward to some more great content on the next podcast. Thank you, Walter. We appreciate it. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.